we all have moments that we'd like to go back to, to do again, to have a redo on, and some are rather superficial. Uh, I think of, for me, uh, I don't know why, but uh, my JV year of baseball, I'm a sophomore in high school, and I, I, I don't know why, but for years and years and years, there's this catch that I didn't make that, that has just plagued me. And it would have been absolutely incredible. It wasn't like I dropped a fly ball. It wasn't like I made a mistake. It would have just been an absolutely incredible catch. And, and I've thought about it like literally for years now. I mean, this is a long time ago at this point. And, and I just didn't get it. It was just like an inch beyond my glove. There was another one in high school. It's like one of my first varsity baseball games. And I think it's actually the best play I've ever made in my life. Uh, but it turned out to be on a foul ball, so it didn't count. The ball was hit, and the first baseman booted it. And I was playing second base, and I came behind him and barehanded it and flipped and touched the base like this. And, and it, like everybody went quiet, maybe because they, I, they thought I was an idiot for trying to get a foul ball. I don't know. But I think it was because it was like, dang, that was... That was darn good what just happened right there. Uh, and so I have like those types of things, you know, in my past where I'm like, I just, if that would have just worked out, I would have been awesome. You know, the crowd would have gone nuts and not just stared at me blankly. Like, why'd you do that right there? Um, there's other things that we all have, you know, like things that are, are have a, a greater con- consequence in our lives. Like you can look back and go, I wish I would have gone to that school or I wish I wouldn't have said that thing to that one girl because right now, who knows, we, we may be married. My life might be different. Hopefully you don't think that if you're married to somebody else. But, uh, but you know, for you single people. Uh, and, and you have these, these other things that are kind of, they have consequence. And you just think, you look back and it's the what if, right? Like, what if I would have done that? I would have done B instead of A. And we have those kind of things. But... But the ones that are the hardest, the ones that are the most difficult to deal with are the things we look back on in life and we just know we messed it up. I mean, we know that we did something wrong and it left hurt and pain and suffering and consequence left awake uh, in other people's lives. I mean, we really just messed it up. You know, I don't know all of you, and uh, even the ones I do know, I don't know how you think about things, all of you, but, but uh, in Christian circles, we would talk about sin, and, and that's what I'm going to refer to, but, but it's not just Christians that have these thoughts. I'm well aware of that. It's all people. I mean, all people look back, and you already probably have thought about it this morning, at that thing, that if you could just go back in time and do it different, because you know you messed it up, you hurt people, you did something wrong. You know that it was wrong, and you did it anyway, and it's just, it leaves this scar and this pain and this hurt. And even now as I talk about, you know, something so vague, you all of a sudden went to a place or back to a point in time, and you thought, wow, that hurts. It hurts even now, today, to think about it 20, 30 years ago. And those are the worst, because they produce in us guilt. They produce what we refer to as guilt. Here's what I think is different about those wrongdoings than like not catching a fly ball or not going to the right school or not saying the right thing to that one girl or not saying anything to that one girl in some people's case and they wish they would have. I mean, the, the big difference, and here it is, this is what I think separates guilt from 
you know, simple uh, mistakes and, and wishes and what ifs. Here's what I think really separates it. It's this, that when we talk about guilt, it's not something that we believe we did wrong, but instead it's, it, it points to something that shows us that there's something wrong in us. You see, when, when we talk about guilt, it isn't a feeling that we did something wrong, but, but rather it's a belief that something is wrong with us. And we can point to moments in time and say, well, I, that's what I feel bad about. The guilt is wrapped up in that moment. I mean, I, that date, it was 1987, and, and I remember it. It was a thing, and, and so it is a, a bad feeling about something I did, but, but I think, as I pondered and thought about it, that you don't feel bad about what you did necessarily. The bad feelings come because you know that that thing you did says something about who you are. It says that something is wrong with you. That you're imperfect. That you mess things up. That you ruin things sometimes. That you hurt other people. That your life isn't perfect and you've made lots of bad decisions. You see, we don't have this feeling of guilt when we just look back and say, I wish I would have gone to that school, or I wish I would have taken that job. There's no guilt. There's a little bit of regret. There's I wish I would have, you know, but there's not this feeling of guilt. When we miss a fly ball, it's not a feeling of guilt. Guilt only comes in those very rare instances, and it only lasts in these very rare instances where we can look back and go, that says something about me. It says something about who I am and how wrong my life can be. And sometimes we're just left with it. It's like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years later, people on their deathbeds, you know, feel a need to confess to try to get rid of this guilt, this thing, these things that say something is wrong with me. Man, what we're going to look at today in Hebrews 10, 1 through 10, speaks beautifully to this topic. It speaks beautifully to our vain efforts to remove the guilt and how Christmas has something to do with this, this thing, the, these things that point out our faults and our failures and, and all of what's wrong with us. It begins in a place that... Uh, seems totally disconnected at first. It says, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. So he brings up the law. That's a reference to the Old Testament law. That's a reference to everything that was written down in your English modern Bibles before the book of Matthew. And he says that this was only a shadow of of what was to come. And if you continue to read, and we will continue to read, it's talking about Jesus. And it's talking about what Jesus is going to do for us, something very specific, something that really matters in a tangible way to our lives, even 2,000 years after Jesus was born and, and died for our sins. Uh, and, and it says, look, this law, this Old Testament thing, this thing that the Jewish people clung so tightly to was only a shadow of what was to come, not even not even close to a picture even. The word reality there is actually a word for an image. And so it's not even an image of what was to come. It's just a shadow. I want to demonstrate this way. I'm going to come down off the stage 
something that I've never done. You can still hear me, right? Well, I feel like I'm on your level now. It's not a very good feeling. Uh, I actually hate being on the stage for you visitors, but nobody can see me otherwise. And so I just want to do a little thing for you here. And, and I just see if you can tell me what this is right here. So I have a bunny. Does anybody else want to guess? Not, that's a good guess too, but okay, let me, let me try to get it here. What, like this maybe? Anybody? Exactly. Now let me just ask you what this is. Those are the same things, right? And what the writer of Hebrews is saying about the law is that the law wasn't even good enough to be a picture of what was to come. It was only a shadow, a shadow puppet, if you will, of what was going to come to earth and what Jesus was going to do for us. Now, while we still have the cow up there, let's continue because this is going to get a little sadder before it gets happier. Hebrews 10.1 says, For this reason it can never... For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament law, this is kind of what happened. It's really sad. I'll just leave that cute little picture of that. That's actually a bull. It's a baby one. So what they would do in order to be right with God is that they would kill little animals like the one you're looking at right now. Very depressing. And they would do it all the time, really, but once a year, and I mentioned this in my sermon last week, for those of you who are here, there was something called the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, the priest, the high priest, would go into the very presence of God And he would kill an animal so that the people could be, at least for some time, made kind of right before God. God wasn't going to punish them. He wasn't going to hold the sins against them for that time being. And so that is what was taking place. And that's exactly what this writer in Hebrews alludes to. He says, look, it's only a shadow of the law. It's not even an image. It's just a shadow. Because we know that sacrifices, the killing of bulls, had to take place endlessly year after year after year. It wasn't like, hey, we had the Day of Atonement, negative 4,000 B.C., and now we're good. We're going to be good in front of God, and God's going to accept us, and we can enter into his presence, and he's never going to punish us. It was like, nope, I sinned again. I need to make another sacrifice. Sin again, I need to make another sacrifice. Oh, it's been another year. We need to make some more sacrifices because our nation has done a lot of things that, that we shouldn't do. Now, here's, here's how it's really seen. Here's how, and this is, this is what guilt does, and I think it's at the very core of guilt. And if you're not a Christian, you're not going to believe the same about me on this, but I, I think really at the very center and kind of core of, of guilt and, and that feeling that says something is wrong with me it is a recognition that we are not like God and that we could not, as it says here, be made perfect to draw near to worship. The sacrifices couldn't do that for people. And I think like when you feel that guilty feeling, I mean, you're comparing yourself to something. You're saying, I'm not good enough compared to something because what does good enough mean if it's not compared to something? And you know it can't be the people around you, right? Because they're all have things too that they look back on and go, wow, I can't believe I did that because of what it says about me. And I think at the, at the deepest level, the deepest kind of place way down in here or wherever you know, it, it gets to, I think that guilt exists. I think that we feel it and hold on to it because it says to you and I, there's something wrong with you and it prevents you 
It prevents you from being in God's presence for God's worship, which was what you were created for. It says you are not like God, and so therefore you should not have access to God. You know, like that, that, that feeling like when you say things like this, like you look at somebody super cool or something, and you're like, like they'll never want to be my friend. You know, you might have done that as a little kid, or maybe you still have that. You probably don't vocalize it anymore, but like there's just people, and you're like, they're awesome, and I'm not, and, and they would never. Or like on a deeper level, you just think like, if they knew me, if these people knew me, how could they love me? I mean, they couldn't really love me if they had known what I've done and who I really am and how dorky I can be when they're not around. Or, you know, I mean, I mean, if they really knew me, they would never love me. And I think that guilt is in us. It exists. That God allowed for it and created it in order to say, I've done so many wrong things. There's no way that I can be in a relationship with a perfect being, with God. That's what it's saying here. And the sacrifices, he continues, we're unable to do anything about this guilt, these things that, that really just make us know that we aren't good enough to be in God's presence for worship. Hebrews 10, 2 through 4 continues, otherwise would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have, notice it, ready, felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. He says, look, the Old Testament, I mean, God prescribed it and God said that you should do it, but they were never able to cancel out these things that you have done wrong to really cleanse you of them, to take away the feeling of guilt. And it's easy to see because you had to do them every year. Had to keep doing them. And so your sin was never really cleansed. And this is the key part, even being super strict. I mean, think about that. I just, I just think about that looking back from a modern context, being willing to kill animals I mean, just over and over and over again. And I think about the priests and how much better it is to be a pastor than an Old Testament priest because I don't think I could deal with the blood and the guts. And I just, and like they were doing this all the time to be right with God. And it shows like some semblance of I really want to please God and I want to be right with God. But they were left feeling guilty for their sins. I mean, animals are pretty expensive. I was talking to Ashlyn, who's saying right here, not my wife, but the one next to her right here today. And, and Ashlyn's looking to buy a cow. So if anybody's selling, then uh, Ashlyn uh, is looking to buy a cow. And it's about $2,000. I mean, some people like, hey, here's what you can do to be right with God. Just pay $2,000. I'm like, yeah, I'm good, you know. I mean, me and God are pretty good. I haven't done anything that bad lately, right? I mean, and, and then it's like, that's what they're doing. They're giving up something of value to say, I want to be right with God. But they were left feeling guilty. And in fact, those things served, it says, as an annual reminder of what they had done wrong. I need to sacrifice because I have done something wrong. As this, this is how I kind of want to demonstrate this today. I, I think the ushers are going to pass each of you uh, a piece of charcoal. I think that's going to happen right now. I hope nobody's moving. So, uh, uh, I see people moving. Here they come. 
And so you're each going to get one of these. And this is, this is, I thought, you know, with Santa Claus and all that that's going on right now and the naughty and the nice list and, uh, and, and you get a lump of coal, right? You've heard that saying before. And so this morning, that lump of coal represents at least one of those things that you are, I've already thought about, that you think about, that you go, wow, I really messed that up and it says something about me and who I am. Now, this is mine up here, so it says about what I think of my history and life. Um, th- this is my charcoal up here, and I'll wait till you get them, but uh, so you're all, this doesn't mean I don't like you. This isn't your Christmas present. I'm not getting you a Christmas present, but uh, this isn't it, so I guess it is your Christmas present if you like it. It is burnable. It's not used. I had some used charcoal that I could have brought. I failed to do that. Okay, uh, and here's what happens. Here's I was thinking about us because we've never killed an animal, at least most of us, I think, in this room, have never killed an animal in, in order to try to atone for our, our mistakes, our wrongdoings, the things that make us feel guilty. But we do things that are not so dissimilar to the rituals of the Old Testament. I think about these things that we do because we have this feeling and we want it to go away and it, it says I something is wrong with me and if I and this if if we could just forget if I could just get rid of if I could just move aside that thing if I could just redo it then I would not have this guilt anymore and and so here's here's what some people do I think I, I think some people when it comes to these things the things that you have already thought about they just they just try to sweep it under a rug they're like. I'm just going to hide it, you know, like if nobody can see it, if I don't think about it, if I don't talk about it, if I don't try to ponder it, if I, if I pretend that it never happened, that I never cheated on my spouse, that I never stole that thing, that I never lied to that person, if I never said that thing that really hurt somebody, if I just, I'll just pretend that it never took place, you try to get it under a rug and it's still there. It's still there. You know, some people, I think what they do is they try to balance it. Here's the scale from my house, which is embarrassingly dirty, and that's my broom, too. We need a new broom, Bryn. Um, and they're like, okay, I remember all this stuff right here, and it's there. If I could just balance it. If I could just, you know, just say, okay, I'm gonna put some, I'm gonna put something else on the other side of the scale. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add to it. I'm gonna pour some money on it. I mean, if I can just get some money into the right places, if I donate to enough nonprofits, if I volunteer my time, if I show up to church enough times, if I serve at a church, if I'm helpful to people, if I feed a homeless guy, if I take care of somebody, if I let my in-laws stay during the holidays, then then this has got to be some type of penance, if you will. Like I have to balance these things out. And we're constantly just like, we're just weighing it and we're like, well, my sin and the things that I've done wrong and this thing that points to what's wrong with me, if I could just do enough good stuff, then maybe I'll feel better and I'll be right. But it doesn't matter how much we pour onto it, it's still there. And others of us, and I'm meant to put the grape juice from uh, communion in this, but others of us just try to, we try to numb it. I mean, we're like, if I, if I drink enough, then I won't think about that thing. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a, a good chunk of addiction in the world is not because people just want to be addicted to something. It's because they're trying to numb something. 
And so people drink or they do drugs and, and people, it's not just drinking and doing drugs that numb it. They're like, if I can just sleep with one more person, then I'll feel better about this thing. And, and for a second they might, or if I, can, if I can just go on enough vacations or make enough money or have the next best job and, and if I can just keep drowning it, then I'll never have to think about how dirty this is and how much it messed up my life. And so they go from one thing to the next just saying, can I numb it? Can I numb it a little more? Can I numb it a little more? But it's still there. Other people try to rationalize it. And they're like, okay, I know it was bad, but let me tell you about it. This is Brent's, doesn't fit my head as well. Always hated these things, even when I got my degree. It's just like, ah, oh, just give me the diploma and let me be out of here. Uh, it's like, well, yes, it was bad that I did that. However, I don't really believe that there is a universal morality for all people. And so, I just want to sit here and discuss, like, you know, really, I mean, if we just take away God and pretend he's not there, then it's probably okay, because who's to say what I do is right or wrong? And so, you know, if I say it's right, then it's right. And, and you know, my wife wasn't that nice to me, anyway. my husband wasn't that nice to me, anyway. and that guy deserved that, and that person, you know, they needed to hear that thing, and I, I really needed the help, I needed that extra income, and, and, and oh, and by the way, wasn't that bad compared to the other guy. I mean, if you knew what my neighbor did or what my friend did or how my mom treated me to make me do this, it was all their fault. I mean, I, I can't believe they made me do this. Society, it's all society. You know, I mean, how am I supposed to not do this when culture's telling me to do it, man? I mean, it's, it's all right there and they forced me into it and they put the temptation in front of me and it's all, it's all their fault. And besides, there's no universal morality anyway. But even, even if you, you're like, yeah, that sounds right. Even if you're a person that's like, yeah, Chad, I, that one I kind of get. There, I believe those things. You still feel it. You still feel it. And guess what? It's still there. It's still there. And others of us embrace it, which I'd also like to call swimming it. Whoa, that's trippy, man. And some of us, I'm telling you, I've known people like this. They're just like, here's what I'll do. It's there, but I think maybe it'll go away if I just hop in it, man. Just like, yeah, like, look how dirty I am. And you know these people because every day, is this really goofy looking? These people are like, oh, I've just done so much bad stuff and I'm going to pay for this for the rest of my life. There's no way I can have any happiness. I can't go to the Christmas party tonight because I've done too many bad things. And we're constantly just living in this state of saying, I'm just going to wallow. Excuse me. Did I unplug myself? No. I'm just going to wallow in this stuff. And the dirtier I get, maybe it will just go away. And we just get dirtier and dirtier and then at the end of the night, when we can't self-pity anymore, we look and we go, oh, it's still there. It's still there. And I think some of you are no different than the Jewish people who are sacrificing year after year. You're sacrificing in a different way, but you're sacrificing year after year, and you go, man, 
the guilt is still there. And all of your efforts just remind you of it, just like the sacrifices did. The more you intellectualize, the more you know that there's a reason that you're trying to sound smart and come up with an excuse, right? I mean, the more good stuff you do, the more it points out the bad stuff that you have done that you're trying to make up for. And every time you volunteer or go to church, it's like, yep, I'm here because of that one thing that I did. I mean, some of you might be here this morning because earlier this week you did something and you're like, I got to go to church to feel better about it. I'm just saying like I, I just and so and some of you, I mean, you wallow in it, and that's obvious like you're just all the time you remember. It. And man, how many drunk people do you know that are just start everything starts coming out? I mean, it's a pretty good reminder. Drunk people are always reminded of everything that are Oh, and then I did this and. Man, my first wife, and oh, you know, I mean, like, and, and so all of these, we try to get rid of this. We try to get rid of this guilt, but all of them only serve as reminders of the fact that it's still there. The writer of Hebrews says this, therefore, Because this stuff can't do anything about your guilt. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, therefore Christmas, therefore the incarnation, therefore Jesus became a baby, therefore God stepped out of heaven and took on flesh, therefore God came to earth. And he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will. The writer of Hebrews says, Jesus was born. And while you have a pile of guilt and a pile of sin and a pile of wrongdoing that you can never get rid of, Jesus didn't. And he was obedient to God perfectly. And when Jesus lived his life, even when he was 30 years old, he didn't look back at it, you know, when he was 21 and say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have, I wish I would have, because he did everything that God wanted him to do. See, Jesus came into the world because the sacrifices and the burnt offerings and the killing of animals, all of that stuff in the Old Testament, while God prescribed it, it did not satisfy God. Because it never made us right. It never fixed us completely. It never took away the stuff that makes us feel guilty. It just appeased God for a little while. Kind of removed his punishment. But it never made us. It never made us right so that we might worship the God of the universe. And this is, this is how it finishes. Hebrews 10, 8 through 10. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will, check this out, this is so key, by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. One author said it's the atonement that explains the incarnation, the birth of Jesus. The incarnation takes place in order that the sin of the world might be put away. Isn't that what we want? The sin of the world to be put away from our lives. 
by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. I mean, the story of Christianity is this. God looked down from heaven and he saw of this. He said, nothing they try is going to get rid of it. I better do something about it. And he came to earth in the person of Jesus. And he lived perfectly so that he didn't have a pile of stuff. And at the end of that perfect life, he was nailed to a cross. And the Bible says it in a bunch of different ways. There's many ways that the Bible explains what happened for those who believe when Jesus was nailed to that cross. It says that we were cleansed. It says that we were made holy. And it says here, it alludes to, that it was taken away. You see, if you carry around a bag of this stuff all the time, you feel that guilt on that cross, all of it for every person's bag of carrying around their stuff and feeling that guilt, all of it was poured into Jesus' bag that had nothing in it before he was nailed on that cross. And the metaphors are mixed here. He uses cleansed and he uses taken away, but all of them sum up one thing. All of them sum up one thing. And that is that when Jesus died on the cross, he provided an opportunity for every person to say, I accept that gift that you died, that you rose again, and now you're my Savior and my Lord. And if you will do that, if you will do that, What the Bible is telling us is that this stuff is taken away and you are made right, whole, good, even perfect, according to Hebrews. That you're completed. That you no longer have to wonder, am I good enough to have a relationship with God? Am I okay enough? Am I, and when you look back on these things that you've done wrong, you can still call them what what they should be called. That's a sin, that's something I did wrong, I messed that up. But no longer do you need to feel the guilt that reminds you that you were once not okay. That there was something wrong with you because you have been set right. I look around and I know that there's some people that just don't know Jesus in this room, you've never given your life to Jesus and you just have this burden. And I know you want to do something about it. I know that for a fact. But I'm just here to tell you this morning, I really believe I'm here to tell you that you can't do anything about it except come to Jesus and say, I believe that you died for my sins so that I could be saved. So that all my stuff could be poured into what you did when you died on the cross. And I can be free of this burden, of this stuff that says you are not okay. If that's you this morning, I just say give your life to Jesus. I mean, sometimes I'd say give your life to Jesus so you don't go to hell. Sometimes I'd say give your life to Jesus so that you get to heaven. Sometimes I'd say give your life to Jesus so that that you can have healing in your life. But today I just want to say give your life to Jesus so that you don't have to deal with this anymore because it's dirty and it's heavy and it's gross and it can't be fixed in any other way. Then there's Christians here. And it's interesting. Because Jesus has taken this stuff away. 
And it's like we're fighting him for it. I don't get it. It's like, I, I'm just going to hold on to this one, Jesus. I realize you died. I realize that I've come into a relationship with you. I realize that I've been made right. But this one's pretty bad. This one's really not acceptable in the world's eyes. I mean, this one, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put it in my back pocket, you know, like, uh, you can have the rest, Jesus. You can take away all that other stuff, but I just can get this one. You just cling, and the guilt comes up over and over and over, and it lies to you. It says you are still not good enough. You are still not right. You still have not been made whole. You still have not been cleansed. You still have not had your sin taken away. The guilt has not been removed. And this morning, if that's you, I say, gone. As you celebrate Christmas as a Christian, and you remember that Jesus was born, therefore, therefore, Jesus came into the world. It should be a moment, Christmas should be a time when we say no more of this coal, man. No more of this coal because a baby was born who lived and died so that he might take upon his shoulders all of the dirt and the crap that I did wrong. I just, I just know Christians. I know so many. If you're not a Christian, I'm sorry for us Christians who hold on to stuff because you're like, well, that doesn't look that good. It's like they haven't even got rid of the guilt. But we should be seeing joy, unspeakable joy, because we're not carrying around the coal that we created anymore. So if you're not a Christian, this is the day. This is the day, man. Christmas, this is the Christmas season where you say no more, no more, because I've tried drowning it, and I've, I've, tried, uh, I've tried balancing it, and I've tried intellectualizing, rationalizing, and I've tried swimming in it, and I've, I've tried everything I can try, and nothing will get rid of it. And, and so today, today I'm going to make a decision just to give myself to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't understand it because you are perfect, and I am not, and you are great, and I am not, and you're the God of the universe, and I am definitely not, but you can have it. Take it from me. I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sin. And the rest of you have already done that. Stop looking at the coal that's left over on your shirt and start looking at the King, the Savior, the Lord of the universe. Today is the day. Right now is the moment for you to say no more. I'm not carrying around that dirty stuff anymore. I'm giving it to you, Jesus. Will you pray with me, Lord? I thank you for your goodness. You know how many things I've done wrong. You know how many things I've messed up. You know how many things I'd like to have back. But yet, God, you came to earth so that all of it might be taken. You got a body, God, so that Everything I've done wrong with this one might be forgiven, might be cleansed. And I thank you for that. I really thank you for that. But God, at the same time, I'm not a very guilty person. This sermon this morning wasn't for me. Most of them are, God. But Lord, I think there's people here right now that are not Christians, or they are Christians, and they haven't given every piece of guilt over to you. 
And I'm just asking, Lord, whether it's by bringing somebody to salvation this morning into your kingdom, by causing them to believe that your son died for their sins, or God, if it's by just reminding them of what you did when you came to this earth that you created, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever needs to happen this morning, God, I pray that you would remove the guilt and you would remind them or bring them to a place, God, where they no longer have to think anymore something is wrong with me, but they would say, Jesus has set me right. God, people need this. I've known too many people that just wallow around in their guilt, too many people who try to drink away their guilt, too many people, God, who try to intellectualize their guilt, too many people who are trying to balance their guilt, and I'm praying this morning that that would not be the case any longer for any person that sits in front of me or stands behind me. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for coming to this earth because you looked down and saw the mess that we have created. We pray these things in your name. Amen.